0: hello and welcome back to the schooner pod i'm bobby howard with me as always is james maxwell and ty lee and guys the good times are back the oklahoma sooners get off of their losing streak get with a massive massive win over a respectable west virginia team uh 59 to 20 uh in absolute blowout fashion um Yeah, look, a lot to talk about with this one. A lot of good stuff happening, not just in this game, but around the Big 12, and we'll talk about all of that, but let's just get get right into it. Jameson, what was the biggest difference maker for OU in this game on uh, Saturday?
1: Being at home, and I'm going to make that a huge point. I think the way this offense and this team is set up, obviously we're going to do better at home, but whenever you have the hurry up on offense, it is deadly, but whenever you also have a home crowd behind you and you don't have Andrew Rame having to worry about the snap count whenever there's Oklahoma state fans yelling in the crowd and everything's working snowball effect you score 59 points
2: <laughs> Bobby you're on mute
1: I'm aware
0: of that I was I was sharing everything I was I was off the screen off the ball a little bit nothing nothing uh, Bobby just continue on brutal. anyways. Um no, I, I think being back at the friendly confines of Owen Field definitely helped. Um having OU back there. You know, the offense is something that you know you kind of have to have pristine situation a, a pristine situation to really click. And as we've noticed, th- this team's just not quite the same on the road. Um even going back to Cincinnati, just not quite there. But um Ty, your thoughts it on makes- the game. Go ahead, Jameson.
1: Yeah, I mean it just makes you think like Do we want to continue with this hurry up? It's like just a home thing. And then on the road, do we just kind of scrap it? Like, is that even a conversation to be had? Because I know it's an identity kind of thing. It works really well at home, but I just don't really think it makes too much sense whenever you're worried about, you know, there's multiple times in these past couple games where I see the wide receivers don't, they don't know the play. They have no idea, they don't know the play, and then they don't run a good route. And guess what? That leaves you with one route to throw the ball to, and most of the time, that doesn't work. So, I mean, it just makes me think just a little bit. And the success of it at home versus on the road really just kind of just turns this knife inside of me. I mean, I, I see a couple factors,
2: right? We we touched on the home piece, which I think is huge, but you have to remember that their cracks were very much showing at home against Central Florida. So, you know, playing in Norman is not necessarily 100% of, of the thing. I mean, I think you have returning, you know, Danny Stutzman, as we'll get into, but obviously he didn't go out there and score um, 59 points, James. And I think he brought up an interesting point on on the receivers. I think West Virginia is a very solid team, but West Virginia does have some some stuff to contribute because pretty much everything we threw at him offensively worked. So it was very hard almost to find something that wasn't working for OU. But if I had to point to one thing and it was a massive, massive feature yesterday in this game. And it's something that we had spoke about in the pregame podcast of where is this, this was working so well, where did it go? And that's Dylan Gabriel designed run attacks or just giving him that freedom to run the ball. He was doing it all night. Honestly, for my comfort, we were running him pretty aggressively Uh, Pretty late in the game when I thought we didn't need to, when we were up 20, 30 points and we were in the fourth quarter and Dylan Gabriel was out there trying to run over a a linebacker. That was making me a little uncomfortable, Um, although, you know, he's a competitor. He can handle it this year. But I think the Dylan Gabriel run attack coming back to the offense in conjunction with a bunch of other stuff that we're about to get into offensively. um, I think if I had to point to a key to the game outside of the home environment, obviously the biggest one, that's what I would point to. Yeah, I mean, 100%
0: they use Gabriel a lot better. In fact, this is probably it has to be his one of his best games ever. Um, obviously, Texas was a bigger moment, but it's hard to argue with eight total touch, touchdowns five through the air, three three through the ground, you know, in a school record for uh, touchdowns accounted for. Um, it was an absolute just incredible performance on Gabriel's end. Um, and you know, you, you could tell that one he had that. He had a bit more confidence than he usually has. And two, Levy was, like you said, Ty, was actually running him again. And I think Mm -hmm. it's clear that that's going to be and has to be a very significant aspect of this offense going forward, especially as we move into uh, Jackson Arnold uh, in 2024.
1: Yeah, we play to our strengths. (laughs) That's. And if we weren't experimenting because I feel like we were experimenting a lot in these past couple games with the running backs. Even whenever we saw some positive things from the running back room, you know, we got some hope from Gavin Sacha. There were still some moments where it's like, this is a pretty big moment in this game. And the running backs really haven't shown to be that one to go out and make the big plays. Why don't we put the ball in our best player's hands? And this game, we did just that. And we succeeded and succeeded over and over and over. It made sense and we did the right thing, and I was really, really happy with this offense.
0: Yeah, just from what I've seen, because I was at a wedding, so I didn't get to see the game live. I've had to kind of recap everything, uh, catch up, play catch up a bit, but it seems like everything, like the offense was less cute, more straightforward, more effective, more, you know, up and down the field, like like what we've been clamoring for the entire season.
2: That's exactly what I was about to say, Bobby. That was my next talking point to mention on the offense is, we, we almost entirely got rid of the cute stuff and we just executed, you know, well thought out plays. Um, obviously, you know, there's some cracks in there as well as we I don't know how deep we're going to get into the receivers and, and such. But, you know, there's still a lot of learning to do. But again, employing the, the assets that we have within their strengths and then, you know, allowing them to support each other. We had a run attack that was there. That was a real threat that West Virginia had to act to mitigate. And once we opened that up, then we didn't have to rely on, you know, Drake Stoops who had an awesome game or Nick Anderson or, you know, Austin Stogner or, or anyone else there, there to, to sort of make these clutch
1: plays. Hey, he had a he game. Started, right? into the pod. Game, I thought it was going to come sooner.
2: His best game in the OU in an OU uniform, I think maybe,
1: um, But, yeah,
2: once we had an offense that really didn't have to rely on just a single point of failure, even though it wasn't cute, even though it wasn't super fancy, and, again, West Virginia had a lot to to do with it because everything we threw at them stuck. But it it was just really, really – I mean, it was beautiful to watch even as as just a fan of football, I think.
1: Mm -hmm. Maybe not a West Virginia fan. And the the thing is, like, it really does – Come down to, like I said, being a home and also we're becoming a little bit more well-rounded because Gavin sacha is unlocking a part of this offense to make it less one-dimensional. Like you said, Ty, there's a lot of things that this offense is. And we talk about Jeff Lebby's scheme, but it really needs to make sure that you are not predictable. If you are predictable in Jeff Lebby's scheme and you get your first option taken away in the passing game, things are not good. We saw it all through last season and this season that whenever we loot whenever we're behind the eight ball and the teams can kind of predict they know what's coming we struggle now that our run offense is starting to pick up you know Gavin Sawchuk averaging over 6 yards a carry we can actually add some you know questions in the defense's minds where they don't know what's going to come next and also with the quarterback run game it should line up to have a good offense for the rest of the season if the running backs can continue to play like the way they were playing on Saturday
0: yeah I mean Gavin Sawchuk like the past few weeks has been a like complete revelation he uh, changes the makeup of this team entirely offensively if you can actually run the football effectively and in a way like I love Tawi Walker but I feel like Gavin Sawchuk is just a little bit more dynamic with what he brings to the, to the running back ro- uh, room to that role. I think he, once Walker gets a little bit healthier, you know, he only had looks like he only had like one carry uh, for negative two yards. Didn't really do much. Um, but I, I, th- I think using those two in tandem would be very successful. And it seems like to me, Gavin Sawchuck, um, I mean, that is exactly what we've been needing. 22 carries 135 yards. Um, mm-hmm. Dude's electric.
2: Can we talk about a negative that I I might be attacked for, right? But no, let's hear it. Quick sidebar: When are we gonna When are we gonna realize that Gavin Freeman maybe isn't? he might be coasting on that one first play ever he had because it sure seems like we're giving this man thirteen thousand opportunities per game, and we're just getting the most. Like, all right, well, you know, we'll give him another opportunity.
1: Yeah. I, I, so in the punt game, obviously the first muff was not his fault. That's just people needing to get out of the way in terms of blocking. But yes, it seems like he's not been that type of guy that we are really excited for him to be. But here's the thing you know, this was a guy that was not offered a true scholarship out of high school, who got in big minutes his freshman year and made contributions. And he's playing behind one of the best players on the field right now in Drake Stoops. So he's a true sophomore, and we had all these expectations. I agree, Ty. We should like kind of dampen down those expectations. But I feel just I hate to like look into the future, but next year, whenever you don't have Drake Stoops, that slot position is going to be such an important part of this offense. And missing Drake Stoops, obviously, and what he showed in this game, it's going to hurt us because Jaquais Petaway and Gavin Freeman got to step up and fill that role. It's going to be a huge role. Freeman to me,
0: like he is in good position to make plays, but he always, I feel like he struggles with drops. And that's, that's something that's nervy. That's something you worry is like kind of in your head sort of thing. Cause you have to, if you're a receiver, if you're a skill position player in general, if the ball hits your hands, you got to catch it. That, that is 100% into story. You can't you've get over it. over it. Mm-hmm. No, it, it, it's, that's a hard thing to get over if if that is truly the case, if it's like kind of a, you know, mental block, a, a yips situation, um, but I will say for now, Drake Supes, Uh Last week, I think we mentioned that he had his best game, probably as a Sooner, and how much of a shame it was that it happened in a Bedlam loss. Well, he just went and trumped it with an incredible, incredible performance with the ten receptions, 164 yards, and three tuddies. Um, dude is j- just genuinely. I feel like we've always said he's that, you know, guy who, you know, he's a safety blanket. He's, like, really good when you need him. But with the volume that we've been giving him, he's just straight up a star right now. Dude's been unreal.
2: Yeah, Drake Stoops, I think one of the big things that he got in this game that he just hasn't, you know, had the opportunity for in in a lot of previous games is yards after catch he's always been a really really good catches in traffic guy obviously you know this year he's had some some drops here and there but he he's had some not so great throws here and there as well that he's had to work with sometimes but he's always been a catch in traffic guy he's always been someone who you know i feel like obviously not 99. A lot of the times when you see a Drake Stoops catch, he's immediately smoked by like three people because he's always in traffic. He always, he never even gets a chance to turn around. Like he's, he's always taking like massive hits to the back of his shoulder pads. And he finally got some plays, finally got some looks in this game. Obviously again, West Virginia had a, a piece to play in this where he had the opportunity to get turned around and to create some yards after catch. And, you know, that long touchdown he had was Unreal. absolutely monstrous. Like that was an adult touchdown. That was a, you know, NFL scouts start to pay attention uh, type of touchdown there with just not giving up, running over someone, you know, getting open, making good moves in the open field, and then running through people when it counts. I mean, that was very, very impressive. It easily a career highlight real play. Uh, that we got to see in real time. Well, Bobby didn't yeah. get to see. He was at a wedding.
1: But. <laughs> well, great blocking downfield, too. That, that was an all-around good play by our wide receiving crew. You know, I think earned that the way... He earned that spike, he, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the way that this wide receiver room is set up right now in terms of our offense, we need games like this from drake stoops i think we can move on from hoping Jalo farouk is going to be this wide receiver one outside guy he doesn't have that i need drake stoops to get eight catches a game in terms of success yeah. in this offense because the way it's set up is you need guys who get off the line of scrimmage quick and get open quick we don't throw the ball you know we get the ball out of dylan gabriel's hands pretty quickly And Drake Stoops is that guy in our offense. So if we want to succeed on the offensive side for the rest of the year, I can't have Drake Stoops four catch games, five catch games, 30 yard games. I need to see eight catches, 70 plus yards at least, you know, every single game. Right. He's absolutely a volume guy at this point,
0: without a doubt. No longer a safety blanket. You got to keep getting this guy the football because he's electric and it's exactly what you need when you're going tempo when you're going speed just cutting fast moves right down the middle i i, I love it and i got to say we got to give a shout out to nick anderson as well who you know hasn't exactly he's had an off couple of weeks but he showed out in a big way in this game um just racked up a ton of yards on just a only four receptions uh, 106 119 i believe um mm-hmm. getting him involved in the offense in a way where he's not just like a touchdown maker, um, that's that's crucial as well.
2: Yeah, that was kind yeah. of my next point is is Nick Anderson obviously has had some, some teething issues in the past couple of weeks, I'd like to say. He obviously started out super, super hot, but I think at this point he's sort of built up enough tape that people are really having to be aware of him. And I think especially in this game, you know, as we continue to, to dive into the receivers, with Stoops having a, a tremendous game, which is sort of what's expected at this point, but with Nick Anderson having enough tape that West Virginia really had to pay attention to him every time he was out there on the field, I think lifting some of that pressure from Farouk's shoulders, I think was really, really big because he only had two receptions. um, Another two carries. I think he was right at like 80 all purpose yards, but his two receptions I thought were, were very, very good. They were, I think high pressure catches and, He seemed like he performed a lot better than he has in the past, even with just two receptions. I know that's small sample size, but the entire wide receiver room uh, really seemed like it had started to mesh a little bit. And and we've started to figure out how these guys can complement each other and sort of open up stuff, you know, with the defense. If the defense counters one, they're going to leave something else open, especially with the addition. Of, uh, you know, Stogner becoming a uh, sort of a receiving target in this game that was pretty major. And this is not a bit, right? Okay. Like, that was no okay. idea. That, uh, uh, that was a fact. Okay.
0: Really I th- I'm glad that you said he in was, this no, he, game, he at was, the end of this. No, he was yeah, really in big game. in this game. And if he keeps he playing was. like this, then yeah, I I, I I, mean, it would be great. This is this is the Stogner I think we kind of thought we were going to get when he was coming mm-hmm. back from South Carolina. Um, and you know, this is this is kind of best case scenario, Stog. And I hope we keep seeing it out of him. And hopefully he's figured it out i know we didn't have blake smith this game so that you know gave him a lot more snaps but as jameson knows all too well he already gets a bunch of snaps so (laughs) um i don't know it it just seems like they kept putting him in position to uh succeed a little bit more than they had in the past he's just let's be honest horrible blocker um so having him in better uh, scenarios there i think has been good for him
1: yeah, if looking at this wide receiver room, and this kind of goes back to my point earlier of Drake Stoops. You know, Drake Stoops, he is a possession wide receiver. Uh, Nick Anderson, Jalil Farouk, and Jaden Gibson. You know, the other three big wide receivers. Those guys are playmaking wide receivers. So having Austin Stogner be a possession kind of guy to get you those eight yard you know catches on third down, as something we really need in this offense really really bad and you know next year it, it, you need a guy like that in this offense because whenever austin Stogner played like the way he did you can see it does unlatch another part of this offense that we haven't had this season so maybe just maybe we can see this for the rest of the season i'm hoping that i can every single time i see austin Stogner catch the ball i think of ty thinking like oh Jamison, uh-oh you counted I him out. Counted him this out.
2: Game. I thought <laughs> he was yes, going to get that one time. reception. I was already celebrating when he got that one. What was it, 22 <laughs> yard reception? Yeah. Was and then count, he man. went on and scored and continued to just. I didn't feel the need to bring it up again after that. I, I knew he was watching. I knew. He knew I hate
1: it because <laughs> I sit there and I'm watching and I'm like internally like mad that we just got a touchdown because Austin Stogner got it because I have to eat my words and I'm like Jameson. Oklahoma just scored, like, quit, and I'm like, but Ty's gonna mention it on the podcast. And I don't <laughs> want to talk about it, but here I, we are. I'm sure Ty
0: feels the same way about big Dylan Gabriel games sometimes, but no, not, I, as, not as much. Anymore. I'm 100 percent yeah. on
2: the Dylan Gabriel. I'm I'm trying to think if I have any sort of takes that I'm tied to at this point. I, I mean, we were in rough waters with the Marcus Major. Uh, take but i <laughs> flipped the script there i mean that was years that was years we, we have been you oh, have really a, like waters, as in the I'm entirety of, of this podcast <laughs> yeah but yeah the entire existence of the scooter pod so i'm kind of hoping I, I flipped the script on you guys uh earlier by by digging you into a gavin freeman hole and then just for <laughs> years you all have to be like no good he's gonna take off next year he's gonna be in the slot all next right. year to be four years down
1: the road he's gonna have eligibility somehow you guys are going to be talking about how i more excited about Jaquay's Petaway next year, but I, I've mentioned next year three times in this podcast already. We need to start talking about yeah. this season more. If we want we we to talk about takes. Jameson saying that we should bench Dylan Gabriel and put in Jackson Arnold. I, I so I, I will stand on this. Cause I think this is a big tape that a lot of people are going to talk about. in the Oh, there's going to be these like, Oh, you, you, you disagree with that. And Oh, you people that were saying that, You should fire Levy and you should start Arnold. They're completely wrong. Once again, I said that this was a home game and all things broke right for us. I want to see our problems. We're on the road in high pressure situations. We did not capitalize whenever we needed to and our back was against the wall on the road. So whenever we're on the road in the coming future, I mean, BYU, that's different. Unless something bad happens. I I don't want to say this. is a. Whenever we're playing a good opponent in a hostile environment, I want to see if we can go out and do the things that we did at home whenever we are comfy. It's as simple as right. that. And that's that's the big That was the big jab, said Jeff Levy. Not every single game is going to be at home versus an opponent you're 13-point favorites against. It's as simple yeah. as that. So I, I'm not concerned about our offense playing a game like this. I know we can do this. We do this all the time. I want to see how our offense does whenever it's hard. I think that's fair because it's, it's one thing to call
0: plays when you're just cruising and everything's working, but it's when whatever your game plan is, doesn't work. Can you pivot? And Jeff Levy consistently cannot pivot.
1: And and that's why people need to stay on the Jeff Levy, like little criticism train. Let's not all get off and be like, Oh, Jeff Levy is the savior and we're still good. Now we overreacted. I still think it's somewhere in the middle. Like we still have got a lot to see and a lot to learn. And I think that this game doesn't fix everything that we've seen thus far the past couple of games.
0: I'm still in the camp that I hope he gets hired somewhere else for a head coaching
1: job. That's where I'm at right now. Ooh, um, head coaching, I'd be interesting. Yeah,
0: Houston or someone garbage picking him up. Uh, that would be great. Um, but you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, I I would be okay with him leaving. I I think morally, I I'm against him. Um, I, as a, as a play caller, I'm also against him too because he just time and time again cannot. He he he's bad at play calling in tight moments. This was not it. We'll see how this goes as the season progresses with uh, a couple big games down the line, potential Big 12 championship um, implications. We'll, We'll see how that goes. But, you know... And the, and the, and the Arnold thing, you know, I can't, I can't be too harsh on you too, anyways, cause that was a bit of a, you know,
1: out there take anyways, but that, that happens. It's, it's, a, it, it's a fair statement. I get it's where you're coming part from. of the, po- it's part of the podcast game. You know, I g- got to be a little out there, but at the same time, I actually kind of believed in it. The thing is for the rest of the season, we are not going to be in a situation as a fan base, no matter what happens, in my opinion, where we're going to be outnumbered more than 60 percent. We should be close to 50% or the majority and for the rest of the games this season. So um uh, yeah. I, and I, I'm, and also I'm excluding BYU. Um I'm talking there about like two games I'm left. Talking, I'm talking about like big time games where we don't have like another Oklahoma State or another Kansas type of team that we'll be playing on the road for the rest of the season is what I'm trying to get at. We're playing it so right we you did,
2: don't- was in the national championship last year. Yeah, yeah that, at home,
0: at home. Yeah, our our only road game is BYU, where, you know, not exactly a hostile environment. They literally give out ice cream sandwiches to the visiting fans. You know, it's that's it's,
1: so nice. It,
0: it's very delightful. They they give out like I think it's brownies and ice cream, actually, not ice cream. Sandwiches, please. But... please did, did, I was going to say it's going to be
2: like 20 degrees.
0: And at 10 a.m. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah, we, we, we can, it. we, we'll get into BYU in a little bit more. Uh, but let's go through game balls just really, really quick. Um, Gabriel, it's really kind of Gabriel or Stooped, I'm guessing, right? Jameson. Yeah, it's
1: it's Gabriel. It's, he had eight touchdowns. He set a record in that so many Oklahoma quarterbacks cannot even touch. But I, I, I know I feel like this has been a conversation. Obviously, I'm not trying to belittle the eight touchdowns. Um, but it really does help whenever you're getting the calls and the goal line package as a quarterback as well. So you know, does this make it better than Baker Mayfield's seven touchdown performance? I still think that's more impressive. But still, this was a really, really damn game. And if I'm just even comparing that to begin with, that's a game ball. I'm. There's no question about it. Ty.
2: Yeah, accounting for inflation, it's really like five compared to <laughs> um, what what. um uh you know, Baker did prior to COVID with all the all the inflation and scores. Um, I'm going to have to go. Look, I've done it before. I'm going to do it this time. I will do it again. My co-hosts hate when I do this. The offensive game ball for OU has got to go to West Virginia's defense. It's just literally everything we did. They were like, yeah, we'll, we'll, allow, we'll allow this for 20 yards. Oh, yeah, we'll allow this for a touchdown. So shout out to them. But if I had to give it to someone on OU, um, I will – it's got to be Dylan Gabriel. I, I don't want to zag and say Drake. Jameson was worried I was going to say Stogner. <laughs> <He> was <worried. laughs> I, I, uh, I was waiting for it. Was... O-line, <laughs> the O-line, perhaps, uh, who deserves an A this game. But no, I, I got to go Dylan Gabriel. He, he was the best quarterback in college football this weekend. Easy. I, he yep. was more impressive than, you know, Bo Nicks, you know, who played Drake a team a that was run. as good... Yeah, Drake may have played a basketball. I'm, kidding. I'm, j- I'm, j- I'm just um, trying, to <laughs> trying to think of who else is in college football that people think is good. I watched a lot of that Washington game. I'm not really that impressed by uh, by Phoenix. Actually, they just they just go for touchdowns on every play, and they play in the Pac-12,
1: so that kind of boosts yeah, his stats. They should have really. won by three scores if it wasn't for yeah. a big. Dum dumb and then that was a brutal second big dumb dumb kicking their the defense
2: bull. is terrible. They're maybe the only undefeated team who would actually lose to Florida State.
0: Well, I, I think you might not be wrong there. That's that's funny.
2: Um, so
0: y'all are all going Dylan Gabriel. I'm a zag. I'm going with McCade tower as my as my <laughs> I like ball. that. That's <laughs> he, also acceptable. Gotta... <laughs> because he, that his ejection, first of all, garbage. But sticking up for his guys, he had that dog in him. You need a guy to go up and just kind of, kind of, don't take any shit, honestly. And I, I, I appreciate that out of, my, out of the tower. even though he did get ejected, he did get a fist bump from Joe Harris, and I respect that.
2: <laughs> they showed all the broadcast, which was amazing, which <laughs> is <It was> great. <laughs> the uh, president well, of but, the university, <laughs> someone's being ejected from the game, like my man, <laughs> my man uh the real the real
0: uh game ball would be dg but gotta spread the love there a little bit um yeah if there was it's not a game ball it's more like a he got that dog in him player of the game or something i don't know um anyways all right let's shift to the defense um i thought this was a very impressive uh display from the defense again uh the mm-hmm. return of danny stutzman massive and you know let's just get right into it jameson we talked a little bit last week about oh yeah, we need to see more Kip Lewis. They need to find a way to play him with with Stutzman. It's kind of tough that they play the same position. It didn't matter. They put them both in and they both looked excellent.
1: Yeah. And Stutzman looked like he could be even better. He did not look fully healthy, but (laughs) it seems like we're right back to it with doing these short, you know, stops on goal line stands and third and fourth and shorts. And It just seems like that is the strength of our defense, and Danny Stutzman is just electric in those situations. It unlocks another part of this defense that um, we did not have without him. And all—I mean, I understand you're a big Jaron Cannon guy, Bobby, but Kip Lewis—he's that dude. He's there's there's a lot, not a lot of players in football where you just watch and you just go, "Wow!" Like Kip Lewis is one of those guys for me. Like he makes plays and he moves so he's quick. And he's got the kind of, um, you know, he's very squirmy. He's very squirmy. He can kind of yeah. get in little small areas and move quickly. And I'm not saying that's because of a size thing. But, like, he just gets to the spot. And he, like, kind of contorts his body really well. He is a guy that we are going to love for a couple more years.
0: Yeah, I, I love the moving Kip Lewis up. And, look, I'm still a big canuck guy. I like him a lot. I think benching him was honestly the right move because he even actually played pretty well. I think you responded to it pretty all right. Um, and ultimately, when a guy doesn't perform, eventually you have to sit him down and be like, hey, we're benching you. Figure it out. Play the best guy every time. I don't care, you know, what their relation is, you know, what their tie is to their coach, the DC. If, if you're not performing, you get pulled. And the fact that we have the depth where we can pull a guy and improve that much is just really,
1: just truly great. Um, Lewis, is a he's a beast, man. Kobe McKenzie played well too. Like I, the linebacker and crew had a really good game. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I I think, you know, not to rehash old points, but I think the defense really, really thrived. I think the defense maybe even more than the offense really thrived on the home environment, the atmosphere that was there, um, at least from what I could glean from the broadcast. And then I think, you know, we touched on, we're going to continue to touch on, but, the vibe that Danny Stutzman brings to, to the defense going out there as a leader and just other people get big plays without him being there, you know, tackles for loss or whatever else. But it's just a different vibe when you're out there, you're really celebrating those, you're getting that little, you know, that excitement, that high off of big plays versus like a oh, tackle for loss or chug back to my spot, whatever. It, it just seemed like the entire game was less of a slog um, for this OU defense. And then another really, overarching point that sort of is very much in line with what I was talking about on the offense. But if you listen to everyone's breakdown, not ours, because we didn't really do much of one, but if you listen to a lot of the the experts around college football, their breakdown of what West Virginia needed to do um, to really beat this OU team or threaten this OU team, they came out and did almost the exact opposite. So I, like, I don't know what their game plan was, uh, but they sort of went away from a lot of the stuff that has made them successful in some other games. And then, you know, we were, again, just there to capitalize on it, which is something that we haven't been doing the past couple of weeks. Obviously, winning the turnover margin is huge. And then just making sure that any mistake that they make, any poorly drawn play, any poorly executed play, we were there to take advantage of it. Kind of what Jameson said, a lot of stuff fell in our favor. You know, a lot of stuff worked for us, but we created our own luck in that sense this week. And I think that's a factor that we didn't see the past couple of weeks, especially on the defense.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you. T- like, here's, I'm with you, Ty, that, you know, going into this game, a lot of people thought West Virginia would be very like ball control, slow things down. They didn't, it, it appears like they didn't really go on very many long drives at all. Uh, OU did a pretty good job of getting them off the field, which is great, because last week they, against Oklahoma State, Felt like the defense was on the field the whole game. OSU, you know, really never gave Dylan Gabriel and that offense a chance to do anything. West Virginia, on the other hand, did not have the ball uh, for as long as they needed to succeed and really grind grind down that defense. Um, that just was not the case, it seems. Yeah, it's
1: getting off the field is such a big deal. Four of sixteen on third downs for West Virginia, and that just makes me want to go look something up real quick out of curiosity. Uh y'all talk because I'm gonna look up what the third down numbers were the past two games from Kansas and Oklahoma State because mm-hmm. I guarantee you it's not anywhere close to twenty-five percent. Yeah. Well in Jameson's
0: addition to, in addition to that, they also went four and out twice. So uh they were two of four on fourth, fourth down, West Virginia was.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say, well, Jameson's pulling up some stats from the past couple of weeks, obviously a bit of bleed over into the weekend spread, but it is Egregious malpractice that we have not yet mentioned. Um, OU's turn of fortune was actually entirely due to Bobby finally eating a fruity pebble pickle, um, which almost instantaneously reversed OU's fortunes. We saw one of the best OU performances we've seen all year uh, after seeing you know three of the worst that followed. That is you know, true. The, then the pickle was a generous. True. The pickle is a generous uh, curse because it did give us a warning shot with UCF uh it was still ignored um, i know unfortunately
0: i i fully believe in the pickle man i i I did i don't have any doubt because also that there's also the whole side effect where you know even though my luck was bad throughout my entire life uh it also benefited me with many weekend spread wins uh, Mm -hmm. and
1: the second i ate that pickle
0: go straight to hell <laughs> it's
1: awful uh but not, oh, talk know, not about just with you, this. what about in your what about your life like just like we were talking about you know you had the coyote business so after wednesday did you have a good thursday and friday did things like seem to go pretty well thursday and friday i would say
0: like there are positives i, I don't think anything bad
1: happened Oh, Things oh didn't, that's
0: that's, that's more, a positive. It's it's more nothing bad has happened yet, which I I definitely attribute to the pickle. That there has not been mm-hmm. any like massive stroke of bad luck
1: um, that has befallen me yet. So I think so overall, listen, if you're in a really bad point in your life and you're down on your luck, just pickle go into that. Time. Just go into a grocery store and get a big old pickle <laughs> fruit by the foot some Fruity Pebbles, and some maple syrup. And let me tell you something, things will turn. This is this <laughs> proven data right here in front of you right now with Bobby.
0: You just need to threaten to eat a Fruity Pebble pickle. And if it works out, then you have to eat it. If you don't, it's going to go to hell. But, you know, you, you just Unfunny. have to always... Ha- yeah, you have to declare it into the cosmos and then, you know, hope it works
1: out. Yeah, and also my third down thing, it seems like there wasn't too much. It seems like we just did horrible on most downs In third downs. We actually did kind of yeah. decent versus Kansas and Oklahoma state, which I guess I don't remember just because I guess it's just a kind of big old blur of blah from those games yeah. for me right now at this point. Um, but like moving forward, yes, we need to capitalize on this defensive momentum, the way that we played in this game, because our identity before those two games. So I feel like we've forgotten about and we were kind of like surprised in this game. We were such a good defensive stalwart of a team. And we went back to that same kind of play that we did in this game. Our secondary looked good. Our cornerbacks looked a lot better than they usually we did. Uh, Woody Washington, I thought had a good game tie. I thought Woody no, Washington we went back to good old, good old times. I understand he played bad in the past couple of games, but just by the eye test, Woody played well. You know, Kendall Dolby's a guy that continues to really, really impress me throughout the season. Billy Bowman had a good game. Peyton Bowen starting to get healthier and he's still coming back from the injury, you know, Things are coming back together to hopefully kind of round into form um, for these last two games of the season.
0: Bowen didn't see the field against OSU, did he? This is a, this is his first time
1: back, right? So he yeah, we didn't played. have him against the Pope. They just yeah. checked. and he I didn't record a stat. Play. Yeah, and he barely played versus, Stan, um, versus Kansas as well yeah. either. So yeah. he's just slowly getting back. Yeah.
0: So get and he he actually you know did pretty solid from what I can tell from the box score. You know, uh, four four tackles was pretty good. You know, so having him back has been massive um, towards this defense. And you know, I, I I I'm not I'm not the guy who blames everything on injuries. You know, but it is definitely an impact having him and Stutzman back for sure. Just mm-hmm. they look they look more like themselves. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um,
2: I, I mean the whole vibe of of the defense. I know I, I know I touched on it, but just the divide the between our defense and, and, you know, West Virginia's offense as well um, was interesting, especially as things started to get chippy uh, down the road between our offense and their defense. Um, it, things were definitely very chippy, but West Virginia's offense looked defeated. I mean, when things were getting chippy, when there was a bit of a, you know, an end zone brawl and whatever else, you continue to pay attention to the game if you watched it in its entirety, um, especially on the broadcast, obviously even more so if you were there, but it continued to be chippy between our offense and their defense. And there was some level of chippiness beyond normal between our defense and their offense, but their offense just didn't have the fight in them. By the, by the time that things got like that, you could tell that that West Virginia offense was uh, defeated. And that's just not something that we saw really, um, in a long time. I mean, prior to Texas, cause in that Texas game, obviously Texas was, was fighting to the end, but at no point in, in any of the past, really, I guess, four games now, did we see this defense really reduce someone's will to play the game to a point where they just kind of wanted it to be over. And we saw that return again in this one. I think that was a really big key. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. West Virginia
0: entire, you know, you and I over the years have talked about West Virginia, how this game always feels a little bit chippy. You know, this was no exception from what I understand. You know, West Virginia went out the way they lived in the Big 12 chippy, <laughs> uh, chippy and talking, talking shit for no reason in a while losing, got, while, while, <laughs> while losing getting
2: blown bad. out. <laughs> uh,
1: this, Standing over a dead man's body who just caught a touchdown, <laughs> like it's just next level stupidity. So so you're down, while you're
2: down, while you're down twenty five at that point, I think it's stupid. Not well, the even moving the of... light. <laughs> like, the lights go the out. Lights go out of... This She's is the like... Among
1: Us, and they're about He's to, like to go try to murder. Too? Let's let's yeah. go jump
0: this five foot seven dude. Who's who's who laying just put in up hat in the us yeah no like west virginia just going out like absolute punks man you know i i know i know we have our guy timothy who who listens to these i i apologize for stepping on your mountaineers but also this step on them i don't think there will be a there will not be a weirder team that ou has faced overall in its conference history than west virginia these these 12 years made no sense
2: I got to tell you, I think this might be an extremely cold take, right? I think any West Virginia fan that hears this is probably going to be, you know, jumping with joy when they hear me say this. I think West Virginia is a very good, they never really have like big up years, or at least they haven't since they've been in the big 12. Obviously they beat us in that bowl game going in as my life goes out. But I think West (laughs) Virginia, at least in terms of, of the fan base at West Virginia games, and then the way that the team always seems to be chippy, I think they are a pretty good uh, comparison to a lot of the bottom tier SEC teams that we're going to see in the future. Much more so than a lot of the the Big Twelve teams that we face.
1: Like which ones? Like Mississippi. Just State? in ter-
2: in terms of vibe, yeah. So Mississippi State definitely comes to mind. Although Mississippi State, you know, will will randomly have an up year here, here and there, whether that's SEC bias or not. I don't know. I mean, they were they were pretty threatening back with, in the DAC year um, when he was he was super super good in college. But yeah, I, I think Mississippi State definitely comes to mind. Tennessee, uh, Missouri, you know, bottom Ooh, tier. I, know, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't
1: know. That's I think that's a little bit of a stretch for Tennessee and Missouri. I mean, Missouri obviously might be rest- Missouri obviously we have a lot of history. Definitely, definitely Arkansas, definitely not Arkansas not is what I meant to say.
2: I meant to say Arkansas. Yeah, I can yeah, see yeah, see I, I, I can I can, I can see I can see Arkansas. State.
1: I can see Mississippi State. I can see those
0: yeah tennessee maybe a little miss but i don't know now
2: they tend to be a little bit better though i
1: yeah (laughs) i mean we don't we don't need to dive
0: into
2: like we don't need to dive into who is the who is the sec equivalent i
0: don't i don't know if that makes sense just just in terms of the rowdiness you know i mean people throwing beers all the all over the place at stadiums that sort of deal I I,
2: i don't know that there is
0: I don't know. I, I don't know if that's a that's, it's not a one-to-one comp, but any fan base that burns couches for victory celebrations, you know, that's that's pretty cool, if you ask me. I, I don't know. Um, so yeah, uh game ball for defense, guys. Let's uh in case unless we had anything else to say, uh sometimes good performances are the hardest to talk about because you know what's good is good. So um I'll just kick us off. I'm going to go Danny Stutzman. He's just a solid piece. And having him back really just seemed to uh, anchor everything. Uninspiring, but I also didn't watch the game in full or like in person. So
2: unfortunately, uh, they won't let me give it to DTY uh, in remembrance, (laughs) not passed away, just not playing for us anymore. Um, So I will have to go with Danny Stutzman.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know really who else to give it to. There's really not a standout. You give it to Danny just because it's like, congratulations, you're back. But it's not like, was Danny truly our best player on our defense? He was up there, but there's a lot of good players. You know, I, It's hard to give one. Billy Bowman, maybe. I don't know. Sure, let's just sweep it for Danny.
0: There you go. If he you wins, give he, it to
2: Woody, the... I will. Yeah, give it to Woody so I can mulligan and give my offensive one to Stogner.
1: I, I will give it to Woody. <laughs>
2: <laughs> For the, the record, DJ. I'm not anti Woody Washington. I just like yes you are. Off. Oh my no! God. When he I played
1: poorly in our group text, I oh called him out.
2: Yeah, okay, and match those to the play that occurred right before I sent the text. <laughs> I, I'm not out here just hating. Like you just hate on Stark. Stark will be minding his own business, going to class, <laughs> and you'll be hating on. Him, right? I don't hate on Woody Washington unless he does something hate worthy. This is not like me and Dylan Gabriel last year. Yeah, it, it's
0: yeah, it's okay. not a bit. You just you just you react to poor performances. That's fine. That's fair. Yeah. So Danny Stutzman wins the DTY Memorial Game Ball for de- defensive game ball. So uh, all right, let's move on to. I guess. Look, I'm going to be honest. We're not going to talk about this BYU game much because there's not a lot to talk about. They are not very good. Mormons, go ahead, clip this all you want. Whatever. They have been just flat out bad they're not even good at home anymore it's um oh eight and two five and two into the conference headed into provo uh take on the five and five cougars who are two and five in conference play it's a massive one senior night day <laughs> morning i guess because it's this one kicks off at 10 a.m uh, uh mountain time awful awful the big 12 yeah. can go to hell um with that that is that is atrocious. Um, so instead of breaking down the keys of how we need to beat Keaton Slovis and
1: Keaton Slovis ain't even Kube's, playing. He got benched. Exactly. Is it exactly <laughs> so like, expert like, Keaton, Slovis is, Keaton <laughs> Slovis is hurt? But you know, like well, how much of it was actually him being benched? Yeah, it's Jake Retzlaff that played versus Iowa State. And Iowa State looked like the third best team in the Big 12. Let me tell you something. Um, because they just you. They just killed the World Beaters in Provo, right? They did. They they beat them down. And This is a bit look, for anyone who's just now hearing this for the first time. Please do not clip that and make that actually my thoughts. Hey,
0: there a chance they could be the third best team in the Big 12. They are still <laughs> they're still in the running, man. Let's not let's not send them off yet. Every time you think the Cyclones are dead, they just bounce back with a, a no. good performance. But
2: they just um, regress to the mean. That's all they do. I mean I, I guess. The, the, an they're in. They're, they're sitting game. at fourth. They are programmed to just be. Eh. And if they do really well, <laughs> then they'll stank. But if they start out really stank, they will regress to the mean. I
1: love it. I love it. All right. Um, yeah. Like looking at this BYU team, in terms of like what their strengths are on the offensive side of things, they don't have like a, just watching their games this year, a definitive strength. Like they're a pretty well rounded team but the thing is they aren't great at anything. So in terms of like things to look out for, really, and I hate being this cuz it sounds arrogant, but it's true that OU needs to go out and handle their business and things should be okay. There isn't a big thing that BYU does that would like go at one of Oklahoma's weaknesses. Oh, I mean absolutely. And yeah, you know, as we we talked
0: about poise and composure, especially on the offense, that needs to Continue to be the same thing. Um, Provo can be a pretty crazy environment here and there. They're, it's not like they need all day to get liquored up because they don't uh, get liquored up. Um, so, high on life, Yeah, they're high on life. They're they're they'll be fired at, at fired up at ten a.m. just like they'll be fired up at any time. And look, just being frank, this is like one of the biggest games in BYU history having OU in town. Like when this when this was announced on their schedule they were grown men like within tears because they had they had the Sooners coming to town to Provo on senior day so you always are going to get everyone's best shot when you're Oklahoma you can expect BYU to come out like firing for some reason because they always do and you just have to be prepared for that um and that's fine that's the reality of when you have the interlocking OU on your chest that's what happens you know you just have to live with it and move on um so I don't know. We we've seen them have moments that look a lot less good now. You know uh, that Arkansas win I think was surprising early, but they are absolute ass.
1: Texas Uh, Tech,
0: Cincinnati. You know, I mean Tech without. Yeah, they've had moments, but this is just not a very good football team at all, really.
1: Um, their momentum right now, they th- so they scored 13 at home versus Iowa State. The game before that, they scored seven versus West Virginia. The game before that, they scored six to Texas. Like, their offense is something that we should exploit. And you know what I want to see, which I haven't really even seen as of recently at all, and even in the last game, can we get a sack on the freaking quarterback last game we didn't and that is a huge weakness that we haven't really conquered too much this season except for like i guess red river you know where ethan downs had his time in the sun you know this was a weakness that we identified in the preseason and this is a team that's set up to where i think we can get to the quarterback i want to see it um, because zero sacks in a game that you are dominant on defense versus West Virginia is not acceptable in college football. Especially, you know, you want these kind of momentum plays. A lot of the times the other half, it's going to be, you know, whenever there's a holding called against you. We aren't getting those this season. Check the numbers last season and this season. We aren't getting holding calls against against us. So we need to get to the quarterback and sack to get teams behind on second down and third down. Absolutely.
0: I mean, our, our, our rush has been not good. Um, I I don't know if it's other teams putting up, you know, extreme pass pro or or what, probably not. Um, We just don't, we don't have, we don't, we, we just have not had the ability to get to the, you know, get to the quarterback and you know, that will change as we get, you know, some big time guys, you know, coming in. Um, I almost said David Hicks, uh, maybe, 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 maybe Hicks to Norman, hashtag hashtag Hicks to Norman. (laughs) Let's let's start it back up again, everyone. Um, but you know, just, uh, you know, shoring up that D line, is going to be very, very crucial. And you, frankly, you don't need five stars to beat down big 12, big line or O lines. It's silly, but I don't know. I, I think that's, that is a key factor especially you know in an environment a, a heavy environment situation where you know uh big plays can really just suck all of the you know excitement out of out of the building so
1: um yeah okay yes, let's do a big picture thing here because yes. i know everyone big, wants to hear wait, this you got anything Ty? Wait,
2: we cannot talk about byu of course you know a lot of people know the cougar Tail. uh i think maybe the greatest unique concession in college sports, right? I, I can't think of, what are, what other school can you think of where they have like a concession that's like, there's the corn dog thing between Ole Miss and LSU, but that's not really like a unique concession. They don't even have You're the most meme. important corn dogs in. Yeah, it's a meme. It's more of like an insult. BYU Cougar Tail, 16 inches of linear non hold donut that they will just pass around because they don't they don't drink or anything in the stadium. They will just pass it around. Like you take a bite, you a pass it to donut. the person next to you. Yeah, communal donuts. They just get you know, like it literally pass around. The Cougar Tail turning twenty uh, this season. I don't think it's this. I think it debuted at the beginning of the season, but turning twenty this season. Um, something that just has to be, I I think it's, I think it's amazing personally. I would not partake in a cougar tail now, uh, but I definitely would have as a student. I'm certain because I've seen clips of the BYU student section and you just, they just get like 40, 50 of these bad boys rolling around, just going up and down the rows and diagonally. And it's, it's amazing. You get I'm telling you you get a cougar tail going on a good sort of Oak-like path. mm. I, Jameson, as
0: a a healthcare professional, what are your thoughts on the communal donut?
1: Eat it. Eat it. Good for you. Eat it? (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It'll make your system strong.
1: That's exactly
0: right. So I've been thinking, you, you mentioned what other places have like a food item that's only there. And the only one I can think of is Nebraska and the Runza. And then we started talking about the communal aspect, and it gave me the worst idea ever, which is the communal runza, which oh, this sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> just, just this giant meat pocket getting passed around, just <laughs> cabbage There'll and be so much falling out,
1: all on <laughs> the, oh, the ground. No. The pork is doing <laughs> <No. have to laughs> a cleanup. they like, oh, no, it's stewed so cabbage
2: from the floor. Ooh. That does <laughs> sound amazing. Um, it, but yeah, I, I was going to say it is kind of a crime that BYU does not give visiting teams uh you know whatever the the calculated amount of cougar tails that are required to to feed, you know, one bite per person on a visiting team. Uh that's way better than ice cream and uh whatever else. Yeah.
0: Well my brother-in-law will be at this one, so I'll have to ask him to give us a cougar tail review. Um not like the cougar tail one, to the dome. He, can, he needs to he needs one cougar tail to the dome. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you'll be—that's enough sugar to have you wired all day long. See you. You, take you a full in fact, cougar Tail to the dome.
2: Yeah, you in fact cannot make one at home, so please do not make a cougar tail um, sort of bet, because then we'll be cursed for you know permanent damage until you can travel out to BYU. It actually says in their official history that they—I mean—they took a big, big gamble on this cougar tail, and before they even introduced it, they had to go like. Special order uh, fryers or something like that, large enough to even make these things, because uh, apparently people don't have the capacity to make a 16-inch non-hole linear donut. Uh, just you know, you keep bringing up the holes. The shelf. Yeah. Well, true. yeah, because that's an important. Uh, this yeah. is a podcast, right? So, I that's if true. I said a 16-inch linear donut, you've got some sort of you know elongated O in your mind. Uh, but then I have to mention you know because there's it's a long there's donut dwelling. hole. It's not a 16-inch donut hole. Um, and it's also not a 16-inch whole donut. It's a 16-inch linear non-hold donut.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a pretty impressive donut.
1: Um, and I hate to be I the guy have, to look,
0: I, look ahead. God, I, don't sorry. Transi-
1: I don't have a transition statement for it either, Bobby. We just got to hop into it. <laughs> I, I get Our it.
2: Transition. A week,
0: look, a week ago, we we had to, I think I brought up the Big 12 um, title race and Jameson, like, like look visibly disgusted thinking about I was it mad. but which is fair which is fair after how we played i wouldn't want to talk about it either but let's be frank it's absolutely in the cards for ou to make a run to arlington if they take care of business they're better than byu they're better than tcu they should win both of these games and look that is great hopefully they take care of business and get it but they need help uh obviously um and it brings up an interesting scenario that a lot of people are wondering what the hell is going on? How can OU get get there? So, right now, OU obviously behind the Texas Longhorns and Conference wins at 5-2, and two, but they are currently tied with Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Kansas State at 5-2. and two. Um, Kansas did, did, did themselves a favor and yeeted themselves out of the uh, race entirely. Good for them. Um, and then, obviously, beating West Virginia did that for us. Oklahoma State Losing to UCF has opened up that avenue as well for them to lose twice and us leapfrog them there. So, guys, um, essentially, ha- what is, I'll-, I'll just ask this question: What is more likely, Oklahoma State taking another loss or Texas taking another loss? Uh, Texas, for- which is weird. It's got to gotta say be say Texas. It
1: o- aims, Oklahoma right? State's schedule is just booty. They play Houston and BYU. Like, yeah. like, I mean, I, I don't care if Oklahoma State looked that bad. I just can't get behind Houston or BYU winning. And, you know, Iowa State looking like the third best team in the Big 12 is our only hope here, Bobby. What have we?
0: I, I'm telling you, there is a chance. There's a chance that uh, Iowa State gets in the mix and we win a tiebreaker over them by virtue of, uh,
1: you know, head to head. Well, the whole head-to-head thing with three-way ties, it makes things really odd with the whole, since we haven't played Kansas State, you really can't do a three-way tie, even though like, if it was tied between us, Oklahoma State, and K-State, the th- the tie would not go down to head-to-head, even though Oklahoma State beat both of us. It would come down to, since we haven't played Kansas State, you can't take out into account head-to-head at all. Um, right. So it really screws Oklahoma State there, and it gets really sloppy where it'd be, it would be the best win versus the best common opponent. So whoever won the most versus the mo- the, it would the also highest be rated State. common opponent, which would be Iowa State most likely, and we won, won by Kansas. like, but we won by like thirty, right? Yeah, we won by thirty. Or would it be?
2: Uh, or would it be Kansas?
0: Well, Kansas wouldn't be would be a lower ranked opponent probably. If it depends on what the Jayhawks do the rest of the way. They still have to play Kansas State again. So in this scenario, we're assuming the Jayhawks lose to K-State, which drops them down. K-State also has to play Iowa State, though, so that would drop them down as well. But Iowa State has one less – because Iowa State only has two conference losses.
1: I don't know. Yeah, but it, it's going to be – But in, in that
2: scenario, three. they would have four.
1: No. It, well, well, Iowa they State would have is three. K-State, so that's going to figure three. itself on its own
0: yeah Farmageddon will will solve it and then the sunflower showdown will help it help solve it as well but the easiest way for that to be resolved is osu losing again which they probably won't but mm-hmm. given like what we saw on saturday i i'm not counting anything out on osu those that was a absolute laugher a total joke of a performance on their end didn't even show up after bedlam um and I, look i didn't get a lot right on the weekend spread last week that one i was all over um they
1: they did not even make the trip to Orlando. Pretty much, it was awful. Do you think um, they have it? Do you think they can do it versus Houston, though? <laughs> like what Houston I'm, just did with Cincinnati? Is there a chance?
0: <laughs> That's the thing <fact laughs> with the Cougars, though. Like I don't trust them. Like I don't know if I
1: trust them. Like I, I, I. Oh. I, I they're not good. I, I, I think I know my opinion at this point. But Donovan Smith, you know, yeah, well, we've seen Donovan him do Smith. some weird
0: stuff. We've seen him do weird stuff. I think more, most likely you got to pray for spooky things to happen in Ames. Texas once again didn't look very good against TCU. So that seems like a pretty prime place for them to slip up. I don't think the Frogs are all that great at all. So uh, I think Iowa State, obviously third best team in the Big 12, much better than, um, much better in my opinion than uh, TCU. And I think that'll be a pretty tough, tough game at night. I don't know. Seems like a time for spooky shenanigans. So hopefully that happens because I'm not in the business of wanting one team over the other. But if we can get if we can get another Bedlam, if we can run that back, I will take that 100 times over any Mm. opponent. Texas, Mm. regardless, I want to watch. We got to wash that out of our mouth, because as somebody who sees every single comment on every single platform from sellout crowd, I'm I'm tired of the Oklahoma State banter. I I cannot (laughs) take it anymore. Y- y'all, y- we- y'all have the ongoing joke about how I'm an, ins- you know, a-, a sleeper agent for the for OSU. Whatever, it's joke. not true. Like, y- joke. Clearly a joke because honestly, it drives me wild. I cannot stand that <laughs> these people have eternal time- tiebreaker, and we have to we have to get rid of this like now. Like, this is our only chance. <clears throat> I want it to happen. <laughs> so, come on, Iowa State. Get this done,
1: please. Do I say this. Say it. Say it. <laughs>
2: I understand that the joke upsets you, right? But the crux of your argument is Oklahoma State should be in the Big 12 championship. Uh, Okay, 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 fair. (laughs) You know, walked into that one. Walked right right into that one. No, I I still think – I mean, I I agree with you, though, Bobby, right? It's like the more that I've thought about it, I wasn't too upset about Bedlam – when it happened, but the more I think about it, it, it's, yeah, we did get screwed over by the refs and it would just be, again, I don't know how it would work out, but that would be the best. I mean, the best thing is, especially for the team going forward, is when you can avenge, you know, at least one of the losses that you have before that's better than beating, you know, Texas again in a series. Ultimately, best case scenario is OU wins the big 12. That would be the funniest thing. That would be the best case scenario. It would be funnier than Texas winning it because at one point the Big 12 thought we were done, you know, and started to, to celebrate a little bit there. So who we win it over, I still think it would be hilarious if it was OU and Texas in the championship game, especially with all this tiebreaker stuff, if if they just clearly manipulated it to do whatever they could to not get us in there and then we end up there anyways. But <laughs> long-term, you know, we're going to continue to play Texas every year. You know, that trash talk is not the same as it is between Oklahoma. I, I agree. Like, best case scenario for this OU team, if you could write a movie script, is that we get to avenge that Bedlam loss in the team that just played West Virginia and the team that, plays, that played Texas shows up and we just run them off the field um, and then, you know, can point to that.
1: Can you imagine how bad the refs would be if it was OU-OSU? in the oh, big 12 God, championship would, you know, you, you gotta be, you gotta be careful what you wish for.
0: It'd be comically bad. That's a very, that, that's a very valid point, Jameson. That's why you don't root for matchups. So I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm no longer going to root for that. I would like uh, to I see just, what uh,
2: the uh, would do in OU, Texas though. Like what would they, they just don't, <laughs> they're, they're not even present. Really, cool. They'd like short circuit. Yeah. <laughs> the big 12 would do everything they could to cancel the game. Somehow. <laughs>
0: There is a plumbing issue at AT&T Stadium. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna give it to
2: our third best team, Iowa State. <laughs> yeah, yeah, There'd be some sort of sign state. There'd be a mysterious camera that's attributed to both teams. Sign stealing, and then it goes to <laughs> Iowa State.
0: They just play OSUK State again because you know they they <laughs> sort of because they're both girl. they're the both champions girl. of life. <laughs> um anyways i think that's pretty much all we have unless jameson uh, n- n- any any in corner have any have we gotten any aggies yet from no from we're, gonna,
1: we're gonna hear the thing but like in the reality of it you know it's kind of similar are they really going to texas a&m for jumbo mm, no probably <laughs> not so it's more so like let's just see how the dust settles with texas a&m there's a chance that you might get some decommits from Texas A&M. But you know, you know, Boosie, uh, Blake's favorite, you know, we were third place, you know, in his standings, you know, so like yeah, that's that's yeah. and the McKinley as well. Same thing, you know, like we weren't on the edge there with them. You know, the real big thing is you're talking about transfer portal in the offseason, because we have guys that we've kind of developed relationships and been close with um that could come in and help us. Um, but I I strongly doubt that there's gonna be too much of an uh an exodus in terms of texas a&m to be honest with you because it's already it's already happened you know like he's lost the locker room way before this
0: that's fair that's fair
1: um i don't know if you actually did have any and corner stuff but no nah, that's real that's really yeah. it to be honest with you i i mean i i we could talk about 2025 but to be honest with you let's just focus on the nah. season We'll we'll get into that later
0: yeah, you're right. We will, yeah, continue to roll along, and you know, honestly, probably just asking about cruden corner. Yeah, that that you, it's like uh, Woj once said, it's not a jukebox. Um, so yeah, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up, guys. Um, I don't know, the last uh, Big Twelve road game for the Sooners here should be uh, intriguing, exciting. I'm just ready to get this.
1: I think I'm ready to be done with the Big Twelve and you know just move on. I don't know. No, you're gonna been... you're gonna mi- you're gonna miss it whenever it comes. Little league world series is the only thing on ESPN times. So be I'm careful what you watch wanna... for. Okay, valid point. I want to I want to savor the
0: football, but I'm ready for the Big 12 to be gone. So you're right. I will I will soak up that was not supposed to be a BYU pun, but it was. Uh, soak up the <laughs> remainder of the games. So anyways that's our show everybody thank you all so much for watching uh make sure to like this video if you're watching live if you're listening on the podcast make sure to give us a five star review um and look we'll see y'all on Wednesday for week 12 of the weekend spread our pennant ultimate um run here so lots of exciting stuff lots of stuff can happen in, the, in standings and uh this is a, this is an interesting batch of uh picks here it's not the best week. But I don't know. I feel, I feel like there's some spicy games. So I'm excited about it. But all right. For me, Jameson and Ty, this has been the Schooner Pod. We'll see you next time. Have a good one. And boomer sooner, everybody.